guys, this is John from the Bagden Boardcast, and I'm here with me, Chris. I'm also from the Bagden Boardcast. Hello, nice to meet you. And uh, we've been trying to change things up a little bit with our not episodes. Uh, Paul and Chris have been doing word books with friends where they've been reviewing different chapters from different books. Uh, and this is uh, a throwback. We're bringing back an old segment that we used to do in the beginning of this podcast. We probably did it for about, what, three, four years, Chris? I think we did it for the first three or four, yeah. It was, yeah. It was around for a while before it kind of fell off the docket. Uh, and this is numerous the, reasons. This is the, the movie fix uh, where we're going to pick some different movies. Uh, Chris is going to be on the first couple. Maybe Paul will be on one here or there, but Paul would have to watch a movie. Uh, and uh, maybe we'll have other guests. I don't know. Probably not, because it's taken us months to get this one made. Yeah, but, you know, it happens. Much like the movie fix itself, sometimes it's hard just to get around to stuff. Uh, uh, back when yeah. we, we did have this as part of the Bag and Broadcast, it kind of just became the thing that loomed at the end of the episodes, because we would always have the same segments we would have our beer reviews the week in geek the list the main topic we later brought in the dramatic reading but the movie fix was always like the caboose at the end of the train so by the time we would wind up getting to it the episodes were starting to get really long and we would just be like eh, it was a movie i, did, I liked it oh well, it's a movie i didn't like it or we just wouldn't paul watch would the re- movies paul would refuse paul would refuse to watch the movies some of them were uh, me too though i will take I'll take responsibility for yeah. that. Uh, and that, and that's fine. Like it was something that it was like, hey, I, I totally understood it. We have done movies as main topics uh, when most of the movie Marvel movies came out. We were doing those as main topics. Even the Marvel movie retrospect is basically a look back on movie fixes, in yeah. a way. Um, so, Chris and I were talking about trying to do something together. Bill and Ted uh, Face the Music had just come out. And we said, uh, hey, let's bring back the movie fix is something that the two of us would definitely like to talk about because we're both huge fans of the first two Bill and Ted movies. Yeah, these movies are a strangely big part of my childhood. And it's one of those things like I don't ever remember actually seeing them for the first time they're just kind of omnipresent in my consciousness that and then the cartoons and then the bill and ted's excellent cereal because i remember seeing that in the store in the cereal aisle and it had the bowl that was shaped like the, the phone booth like shrink wrapped to it i always wanted it but i never got it <laughs> and that was tied into the cartoon too right because yes. that's when Every cartoon had a tie-in cereal in the yeah. they were, late I think 80s, they were all early technically 90s. like the same cereal, too. Oh, like, yeah. I think it was just like one type of cereal that they just put in different like cartoon character-covered boxes. Uh, if I remember correctly, when I finally got like the Ninja Turtles cereal I and I had it, I was like, well, this just isn't as good as Lucky Charms. Because it was like the same thing. You had like the masks and the weapons as marshmallows in it. And, and then, then it was they like, said they had like ninja nets as the cereal pieces, but it was basically just like rice checks. <laughs> Something like that. 
Uh, that one also had a cereal bowl shrink wrap to it, except it was like a turtle shell. Turtle shell, yeah. I never had any fun uh, cereal bowls, except for I think we went like to a ice cream place, and I got like a baseball helmet mm-hmm. that you got ice cream out of because it was just how the kids' ice cream came, and I had that for years. I never had any fun bowls, no matter how bad I wanted them. It was always just like a regular like glass bowl that we had in the cupboard for everything. The big thing for me, though, was the color change spoons that you used to get in the box <laughs> of cereal. A, that was a big thing for you? <laughs> yeah, I, it was a lot of fun. I remember being super excited to get you know the box of Lucky Charms or whatever and having like the Lion King color change spoon in there. And you open it up and you're like, oh, I got Rafiki. It's like, oh, and it's Simba. It was still cool, though. It's like blue and you dip it into the milk and it turns green. Yeah, I couldn't, fit, I, th- couldn't fit that much cereal on it because it was no, like, super it was, tiny. Yeah, yeah, and it was like also, it wasn't that concave. It was pretty flat. Yeah, I mean, looking back, yeah, I shouldn't have been that excited about it, but you know, <laughs> I don't remember ever being that excited. I'd always build up the toys in toys in my head, thinking they're going to be so great, and then I'd get it, and I'd be like, "Well, this is awful," and I just it, it was in my hand, and it just broke. Uh, for me, that was Cracker Jack, because the Cracker Jack prizes, it was always like, oh, it's a baseball card. I don't oh. watch baseball. It's a little hologram that you tie into your shoelaces. <laughs> do, you ever get, do you remember those? I never had that. That's, oh. that's, that's pretty terrible. It was like these really bad little hologram things, and yeah, it had a hole, and you'd tie it into your laces of your shoe and then walk around with them. I never did it. You rebel. I just, I just had them. Well, that's that's a reason <laughs> for for celebration. Uh, yeah, and uh, Chris, we are both drinking the same beer. Uh, and what are we having tonight? Uh, we both are drinking from Sierra Nevada Brewing. Their celebration, a fresh hop IPA, and this is something that they come out with every year. Uh, it's a seasonal release for them. It's always stamped with the date up on the top, so we are drinking the 2020 uh, edition of this. Mine was actually packaged on September 29th, 2020, uh, right on the back there. But yeah, this oh, is a I'm beer I haven't had I'm in a September while. September 25th. Whoa, yours is a little bit older than mine. But yeah, uh, alcohol mm. by volume, 6.8%. I have not had this beer in a while just because... I don't drink a lot of Sierra Nevada beers because they always tend to be a lot more West Coast, big hop style. And that's actually what I really don't like in IPAs is just that overly piney bitterness. Resiny. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit on the one of the last episodes of the Bang Broadcast, but that's just, I think, what kind of drove me away from IPAs when we first started the show and drinking that style of beer because... I was always just a darker beer fan. I like the kind of more rich, sweeter, like smoky styles. Uh, so I haven't actually had one of these since, what was it? Because John did some research. We we checked into this beer when we had it on the podcast in 2011. Gotcha. So that was like year two or three of the podcast. We started in yeah. 2009, right? Yeah. So it was like year two of the podcast. Uh, and I don't think I've had it since then. Uh, 
according to Untapped, it says that you guys have had this within the past four years. Yeah, it said in 2016, which I don't remember having it. It might have been something that I took a drink out of and then left because I, I didn't love it. I will say about this beer right now, I don't mind this. Yeah, I'm this... right there with you. It's it's not as big, bold, bitter as I expected it to be, especially after you were reading yours and Paul's check-ins to it. Because when I checked into it, I just gave it a numerical score, and that was it. Uh, yeah, and this isn't that big, Riney. It's not overly bitter. It does have a little bit of that bitterness. It has a nice maltiness to it, too. Like... I don't remember this being such a deep amber color, but who's to say that I remember anything from 2011? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this isn't bad. People, there are, like, there's a whole demographic of beer drinkers that love this beer and look forward to this beer coming out every year. And I never really understood it. Um, and I believe the beer is slightly different every year but i don't know that for a fact there's nothing that really says like we change this beer uh every year um but yeah like I, they call this a com- a complex and robust ale it's kind of a robust like a pine bite on the side of my tongue there it's yeah. it's not bad i'm liking it more than i thought i was going to but it's still not going to be a go-to IPA, a go-to holiday beer for me. But it's it's not bad. I would say, like, to me, this would be a bargatory beer. Yeah. If there was nothing else, I know at least 2020 celebration, I can drink a pint of that and be happy. And it's going down fairly smooth. Like, I'm halfway through it already. Yeah, I was actually just about to say the same thing. Like, we poured this right before we started recording but i didn't take my first sips of it until we were actually into the introduction for the show and it i'm already you know like probably three quarters of the way through my glass of this i don't i don't mind this at all yeah it's uh it's 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 not it's not bad and uh next year i i will try next year's but i if it's like not what I'm wanting at the time, like I'll, it might be nine years before I try it again. Cause it's not anything that I feel I need to kick down any doors to get. Yeah. It's a, it's a beer from my past that in the past I didn't like it, but now in my present, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I don't mind it, but like you said, it's going to be something that's further down on my list of things that I want to drink or pick up. I mean, especially coming up to holiday time when we're going to be doing more holiday beers on Bag and Boardcast proper. This isn't going to be one that's like, wow, you know what? I can't wait to bring this to main show, sit back and discuss it more because it it is what it is. And what it is is just fine. It's adequate. Yeah. And something that I thought was more than just fine and adequate is Bill and Ted's Face the Music. Yeah, this... Uh, uh, Go ahead. This is kind of exactly what I expected it to be. Um, we're checking in with Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan, like 30 years after their last appearance uh, in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, where 
they're informed that they are going to be writing the song that saves the universe. And for the past 30 years, they've kind of been chasing that dragon, never being able to. Uh, and what follows is a pretty fun, self-referential adventure that's exactly what you expect it to be, but also exactly what it needs to be. Uh, yeah, and what's really nice is this movie is a victory lap for this movie that it didn't know it needed, but I'm so happy that it's there. Um, as we said, like we're fans of these movies. We, we love them. I still go back and I'll watch them every couple of years be like, oh, hey, I haven't watched Bogus Journey or something. It'll pop on and I'll be like, oh, yeah, let's watch it. Let's watch uh, Excellent Adventure. And so to have this now, and I don't know about you, Chris, but I, I bought it so I could watch it anytime now. Because <clears throat> when it came out, it was you. I think you could rent it or you could just buy it. Yeah, and uh, I just interesting thing about this one too that we haven't mentioned yet is this came out at the height of the coronavirus pandemic. So this actually didn't come out in theaters; it was released straight to digital streaming. Uh, and I actually did the rental for it because it was, I think it was like twenty or twenty-four dollars to rent it for the three days, versus thirty dollars to. Uh, purchase and download and I do love the original two movies I have them on DVD and there's something that's just fun to throw in and have on in the background of something like those like Jumanji three uh, three amigos like just fun movies that you can have on when you're cleaning uh, so I knew that this would be something that I would probably wind up enjoying and I'll just pick it up when it's available on DVD for like five or ten bucks I think it's something that I will have on my shelf and I will go back to. I will have Bill and Ted's, you know, excellent movie nights where I, I watch it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. This is one of those things, too, where I was... I haven't watched this since we said when we said we were going to do it and I tried to watch it within those first couple of weeks that it had come out. And thinking about the movie today, knowing that we we're going to do the show, I was like... I think it's almost time. I could go back and rewatch it. Like, it was fun enough to do to watch and enjoy. And um, as you were saying about the movie, like Bill and Ted have been trying and failing to make the music to bring the world together, and their lives have gone on. They're married. They have nice houses. They have both have uh, daughters who are around the same age, and um, when they're kind of put in on this mission to save the universe they have like what is it like a a day or a matter of like 10 hours to save the universe their initial idea because they're Bill and Ted is to go into the future find their future selves who have written the music and <laughs> steal it from them which their path is pretty funny continuously running into their future selves who have failed and continue to then try to rip off the present day Bill and Ted. And then their daughters, they are the ones who go on the Bill, like the quote unquote Bill and Ted adventure where they are getting together a band. They're going through the past and finding Jimi Hendrix. And is it, Beethoven? Is yeah, they do uh, Beethoven? Beethoven in this one. 
Um, and they're bringing those people together to create the great, the greatest band to perform with their fathers. Yeah, they also get uh, like Louis Armstrong, um, Kid uh, Cudi, who else? Yeah. Jimmy uh, Jimi Hendrix. Um, the, uh, uh, the famous <laughs> Japanese flute woman, and then a caveman drummer. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ling Lun, and then Grom is the caveman drummer. But again, it's those kind of things that's a fun throwback to Excellent Adventure. And, I mean, spoilers for the movie, it's been out for a few months now. Uh, you know when you're watching this that you're going to just be seeing Bill and Ted kind of flounder around, and it's actually going to be their daughters that kind of rise to the challenge, and they're the ones that put the song together because yeah you know what end of the day they are their father's children like they they do what they have to do because they have that knowledge they have that love of music and they also don't have that pressure on them to do it so while you're seeing bill and ted just kind of sit there and spin their wheels they're they're thinking outside the bun yeah and i mean they um they have a great scene where they reunite with death and i think too that the bill and ted characters they have matured a little bit and they've lost that innocence that they had in those first movies where the daughters definitely have that innocence and um both actresses who play the daughters um aren't really anyone you'd really know um uh Lundy Pine Payne plays Billy and then um Samara Weaving plays Thea and uh she th- uh bleh. um Samara Weaving is actually uh Hugo Weaving's niece and when she was talking to Keanu when they were auditioning she said who she was and he was like oh well, we have to cast we have to cast her um and she was in a great black uh comedic horror movie um last year that was called ready or not and she was phenomenal she plays the that's is the, that the one the, where it's like the family plays the game yes it's like the kids like wife or girlfriend and if she survives like okay i didn't see that but i heard it was really good i i i made caitlin watch it and we both really really liked she liked it i loved it because it was a movie that knew exactly what it was supposed to be and was it over the top blumhouse movie i don't think so okay because it it It, sounds like something that could be yeah um and then she's also um she was also in another... Oh, she was in that um, Guns Akimbo. Which with, looks uh, fantastic. Yeah. Daniel Radcliffe. And I, think, and I think she's the lead in that. And then, you know, she's been in a bunch of other things. Um, and so has um, the, other, the other daughter. But they're nothing that you would go, oh, that girl. But I will probably always think of them now as these roles because they they pull off playing bill and ted's daughters perfectly and i think it is fun that you do get to see a little bit of that home life especially with the uh princess babes that bill and ted find 
in the previous movie that they bring back to the modern times and get married to. But their marriages are suffering because the guys just want to hang out with each other all the time. <laughs> Even when they go to couples counseling, they go together. I think it's just fun that you get to see these two dudes just trying to reclaim their glory days in a way that's not possible while like, the next in line is kind of stepping into that role. And the other thing that was I, I appreciated about this movie is, like you said, you know, stepping into their glory days. But as soon as they realize it's their daughters who are supposed to be doing it, they cheer them on. They, what can we do for you guys? Like, it's amazing. It's you guys. Like, there wasn't that moment where they were upset or anything else by it, but they were proud fathers that their daughters were actually the ones that were going to do it. And that's uh, another, like, one of those really nice heartfelt moments in this movie. Um, The other, like, it was, like, just a really nice thing how much they loved their family. One of their major reasons, yes, they're saving the world, but they're also trying to make sure that their wives don't leave them. And it's just a really fun adventure, and everybody... Even when they see death, there's a little bit of animosity That's, because they they had to kick death out of the group. That was the high point of the movie for me, though, was <laughs> not just getting to see uh, William Sadler as death again, but them reconnecting and reconciling with death. Which is like, no, no, no song needs like a 17 minute bass solo. <laughs> uh, I think it was like 45 minute bass solo. <laughs> um. It, but it, was, it hits all the notes that you wanted to. I mean, and then shout out to a uh, new antagonist, much like we had with death in Bogus Journey, but Dennis the robot that's sent from the future to go back and kill him. Uh, and that, that was one of the points I was going to lead to is Bill and Ted love everybody, but nobody in this film likes Dennis Caleb McCoy. Oh, d- <laughs> Coming out of this, I was like, man, you know, that was that was a fun movie. It, it had the heart I wanted it to have. You know, enough references to the past without dwelling too much on it that it felt like a retread. But, man, I love Dennis. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just one of those things where he, like, uh, my name is Dennis. Okay, hey, Dennis. Like, uh, Dennis McCoy. Oh, okay, last name. Okay, cool. And then, like, a little bit later, they're trying to do something. Uh, Dennis Caleb McCoy. Okay. And just everybody is instantly annoyed with him. Even Death. Death can't can't stand him. Yeah. Why don't you go stand over there? (laughs) Go stand over there. And it was just... Another new addition to the franchise, though, uh, we wind up getting Kelly, who is Rufus's daughter, because, of course, at this point, we no longer have uh, Rufus. Because George Carlin has passed away. We do get a little bit of an homage to him with a a hologram outside the original phone booth just as, you know, the person that brought together the people that saved the universe. What do you think about having Kristen Schaal in the film? Uh, this is something, like, when we got a little later, I was going to say, like, recasting. I didn't like her in this part. Like, you needed somebody who could play that kind of whiny daughter, because you have Rufus's wife who is in control of the future, which I don't think Rufus's wife would be the 
in charge. Uh, and then her daughter, who comes to help try to save and help Bill and Ted and end up helping the daughters, um, I, I would have liked to have seen almost anyone else in both of those roles. I would have loved to have seen Pam Greer as his wife in the future because he's the one, the woman he's disguised as in Bogus Journey. Mm. You know, like, it would have been funny, like, that's the reason he chose that image is because he was picking his, you know, his wife. Uh, but I would have liked, I think, just about anybody else in that role. It would have been nice to have a ni- another, like, actual, like, female comedian. I know that the one who played her, she's a nice comedic actress, but I don't know. Follow suit, have a nice, like, uh, a female comedian in that role. No, I agree. Um, the reason I brought it up is because she is a weaker part of the movie for me, and it's nothing against her. I do appreciate her when she is in things, but she's just kind of reaching that point of saturation for me when I hear her voice or see her in something. It's like, okay, she's going to be the same kind of character that she always is. She's going to be Louise from Bob's Burgers. She's going to be Mabel from Gravity Falls. Like, she doesn't branch out too much. So when I see her, I just think, okay, this is Kristen Schaal playing this role. I don't get lost in it. Even when you compare it to, like, Keanu Reeves, who has done so much stuff and become such a big star in his post-Bill and Ted's career, that there there was moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, it's... It's still him. Like you can tell, he's like trying to like flex those muscles again because he hasn't in a while. But I still didn't get stuck. Like, oh yeah, it's Keanu Reeves. Like I, yeah. I bought it as okay. It's Bill and Ted again. Yeah, like oh, Bill uh, or Ted could easily kill that guy with a pencil. I've seen him do it. Like, <laughs> and uh, the other thing too is, I thought I thought Alex Winter was better at playing. Bill than Keanu was at Ted, but also Alex Winter did not have a huge movie career yeah. before and after, and he's actually become a really nice documentary film director and director um, that actually he went back and took acting lessons before the movie just to, to work out those muscles because he hasn't used them in like 30 years. Yeah, just going back and looking at uh, Alex Winter's IMDb. He's done a lot of like voiceover stuff for video games and cartoons, but yeah, not a lot of other stuff. Like the last thing he did before this was episodes of Robot Chicken, where he appeared as Bill S. Preston, uh, a voice called The Voice on TV series Into the Dark, and then just stuff in Ben Ten, Ben Ten, Saul of the Molemen. Like so, yeah. Uh, I would agree with you, though, because it seemed like the role just kind of came to him more natural. But like you said, he hasn't really done much else, so he could still be kind of living in that headspace. Yeah, or and just we haven't seen him enough as other things to attribute him to anything else, you know? Lost Boys. Like, <laughs> uh, Lost Boys and um, the movie Freaked. Like, are the two things that other movies that I could say that he was in that I know for sure. I do not know the movie Freak, so I just clicked on it, and this does not look look familiar to me at all. 
Oh, Freaked is uh, Freaked is a nice. <gasps> okay, no, I okay. I'm looking at the poster for it now and the sock puppet. Okay, yeah, I remember yeah. that now. It's like Bobcat uh, Goldwaith in it too. Bobcat Goldwaith is the voice, I think, of the sock puppet. Okay. Uh, Mr. T plays the bearded woman in it. Like, uh, it's not it's not a good movie, but it's a great movie. Gosh. This is this is like a Saturday afternoon. Put it on. You might have a little bit of a drunk going, and you're gonna enjoy. I was gonna say, I movie. think I saw this movie on like TBS or TNT or something like one Sunday or Saturday oh, afternoon. Oh yeah, this is this is a Fox afternoon movie uh, for sure. Comedy Central, like any of those. Uh, I see if you can find this movie because it's <laughs> it's it's worth it. It's it's so bizarre. Uh and William Sadler's in it as well. Oh. Uh yeah. <laughs> so this is so the movie fix is a John baby. Where, where we go from here? Like final thoughts um, on the movie and you said you had some yeah, questions. Yeah, we can do final thoughts. My my question was like if there was anyone that you would think about recasting in this movie, who would you do? And I think we I I said, you know, it would be um, Kelly, George Carlin's daughter, and then his wife. I just didn't get. I didn't. George, Rufus, Rufus wouldn't have married the woman who would have become in charge, right? Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem like that's the. He seemed like he's the operative that they go. They send him to do the dirty work, not hey, I married the queen of the future world. So who would you have put in the Christian Shaw role as like Rufus's daughter instead? I I think she's a little too overexposed, but if I was going to cast somebody, I would want somebody who's an actress who is known in the comedic world. So maybe like Amy Schumer would have been somebody who Okay. Again, like I think she could have pulled it off. I don't I think she's quote unquote too big to do it. But I think she would be somebody who falls into the same realm of where George Carlin was, like as a comedian. I, I can see that because at that point he was a known comedian, and when you see that, like, oh yeah, George Carlin, like, cool. I have never really liked Amy Schumer, but I do agree with, like, yeah, that's that's a good role. Um, I was trying to think of someone that can be a little bit more subdued in their performances. Well, can still be active and uh, animated at times, and I think Allison Brie is absolutely hilarious uh, from Community. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, I know who she is. Uh, even the the blonde who is in Community. Too. Oh yeah, Gillian Jacobs. I think uh, she could have been good in that role too. Yeah, I just I haven't watched Glow on Netflix yet, but it's something that's on my list of things to check out because I've heard she's fantastic in that too. But yeah. Yeah, I think that, I, other than that, I think everyone else, I mean, basically everyone is from the previous movies. Um, but I thought everyone else was perfectly cast in the movie. Um, my other thing is, like, who's the, who would you think is, like, the breakout person of this? Who would you be, like, feel like nailed it, did the best job in the movie? Uh, is it the actor is that it, played Dennis? I don't know what his name is. Let me oh, go back over um, 
you would know him too. It's uh, Anthony, Anthony Carrigan. Oh, he's Mr. Zaz from uh, Gotham. Yeah, he's um, yeah he's uh, he's great as uh, Noho Hank and Barry from um, uh, the HBO series. He's he was in the Flash as one of the villains. Like he's been a nice. He's not somebody who I would think had have that comedy chops. He's somebody who plays a little more of the heavy in it. Um, yeah, I think he definitely stole the show. I think the 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 fact that those two guys, the original writers, came back and were able to knock it out of the park, I think, again, uh, was great. Because those guys didn't, like, the one guy did, um, uh, let me look up the, I can't think of their names. Um, but the original writers are uh, Chris, Chris Matherson and Ed Solomon. And uh, aside from the Bill and Ted movies, um, Chris Matherson is probably best known for uh, a Goofy movie. He wrote the screenplay for that. I mean, that's some pedigree there. <laughs> And um, oh, let me click back here. Ed Solomon actually has some bigger credits under his name. Uh, Men in Black being one of them. Uh, he wrote Men in Black. Uh, the Now You See Me 1 and 2. He wrote those. Only saw the first one. Charlie's Angels. The Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, I mean, that's definitely a movie. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I mean, he, he wrote for the Dave Thomas comedy show. He wrote a couple episodes of Laverne Shirley. Um, and then the director, I think also did a great job. Uh, Dean, um, Paris. And the only other movie that is his claim to fame is Galaxy Quest. He directed Galaxy Quest. I do love me some Galaxy Quest. Uh, his other pedigree is not, uh, you know, it's fun with Dick and Jane. It's Red 2. Uh, but I think, like, I think this whole movie, everybody, like, everybody got their pieces. They got the right director. The writers came out to do, you know, the they, they did a great job doing it. The fact that Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter are on board to reprise these characters, but... I think the daughters did a great did a great job as well as playing basically Bill and Ted. Yeah. They had to step um, into those roles and I think they did a fantastic job doing it. Like I think this movie's just what you want it to be if you're a fan of those original Bill and Ted movies. I think this is kind of one of more of those nostalgic sequels, you know, 20, 30 years after the originals or last movies have come out that does it right it doesn't really make many missteps no uh and i think the the movie moves it moves like there's no real lollygagging it's like you know a to b to c boom 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 they just connect all the points to get you to the end and it's also not a really long movie no and it it's entertaining like this was the perfect i can't remember when we sat down to actually watch it but it was a Get home from work, sat down with some pizza, some chicken wings, some garlic knots, a couple beers, and just enjoy the evening. Like I think this is just a fun movie to put on and 
take your mind off of things. Especially when it came out in the middle of the pandemic and we're still in the middle of a pandemic. You know, three months later. Yeah, uh, this was perfect. The movie's like an hour and a half long. And I was able to put my son to sleep. He takes a two-hour nap in the afternoon. And I got to watch the whole movie. Like, I did the dishes, and then I sat down, and I was able to watch the whole movie before my son woke up. Um, yeah. Uh, I I thought it was great. I loved it. Uh, if you loved it, if you liked it, find us over on uh, the Facebook There'll probably be a nice Instagram post when this this episode goes up. From already, ha- already have it ready to go. As soon as we Ooh. post this, I'll put it up. But yeah, let us know what you thought of it. Comment on any of our social media posts about this, or email us contact at bangboardcast.com. Uh, we do our podcast every week. We just like to branch out and do some different things. So hey, yeah. Let us know. So ho- hopefully you'll get. Uh, we already have the second episode lined up. We're recording it right after this oh man but I, hopefully i better get my next beer <laughs> yeah me too uh and hopefully chris and i can uh, continue to do these find some other movies that are fun watches for us 